Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the Kevin Love to my LeBron James. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? I don't know how to feel about this. You don't, you don't want to be Kevin Love? You know, like, you're, you're really good. You get score like 20 and 10 a game. You're like awesome. Yeah, but I went to UCLA and I'm kind of a D-bag. No, no. Kevin Love's cool. He like writes very openly about mental health issues. Oh, he's okay, like, cool. So he's, he, like, he's grown up a lot since college. Good yes. To know. He's not the same as he was before. But our very own J.R. Smith. That's right. He likes to party. <laughs> it's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, remember last week I was, when you were doing the Warriors, I was like, hey, I thought you were just going to make me Kevin Love for no reason. So <laughs> I'm moving up. Yeah, moving up to J.R. Smith. Just partying and uh, not contributing. So. <laughs> what i'm just being honest about what jr brings to the team spell at this it point. out nathan spell it out no erica erica always contributes he's more of a let's be honest he's more of a jeff green than a jr smith shows up once every 10 episodes yeah jeff green <laughs> jeff green really shows up every 10 days or so all right uh enough jo- enough with the jokes uh, let's get down to business eric starting with you yeah, man Seahawks this tonight today announced the signing of Brandon Marshall one year up to two million dollars if he hits all his incentives. How do you feel about this signing? Uh, having heard about it just about an hour ago or an hour before I picked Kevin up, uh, this is what we wanted, and we wanted this last year. Uh, I think it works better that we are signing him this year. I think last year maybe uh, it would have been bad for this team. I'm pretty excited about this. This is uh, an experienced receiver. It's a tall receiver. Uh, I believe. I was more excited about it until Kevin kind of, uh, and I I don't I can't remember exactly who it was. Kevin, you compared him to a certain player last week or the week before, and it got me kind of like, uh, it got me excited, but with with realistic expectations. Kevin, who would you compare Brandon Marshall to? Uh, who would I compare Brandon Marshall to? Well, I could I could be wrong on this. About, it could have been Nate. Uh, so Brandon Marshall about six four two thirty. Um, he's thirty four years old, so. He's not going to be breaking speed records for us. I know that. No, I think what you're optimistically looking for in this case would be like a Michael Crabtree with less uh, vertical threat, um, which would be uh, an interesting fit in the offense. The other thing that's really interesting is between him, Darbo, McAvoy, and uh, Brown, that gives us like four, six, three, and over receivers. So clearly trying to get bigger on the outside, which makes sense with the loss of um, Graham as the red zone threat. Wait, I've, I'm confused. We didn't sign Brandon Marshall, the linebacker. We signed Brandon Marshall. Boo. the wide- Okay, sorry. My bad. Uh, it's funny, though. Like, like Was you said, that the joke? Nope. Okay, good. I was going to be really mad. <laughs> that was the joke. That was the joke. No. Now he has to scramble. I have uh, to find another joke. No, so... <laughs> So Brandon, this Brandon is turning into a Seinfeld episode. Brandon Marshall, uh, let's just be honest. He has not been very good since 2015. In 2015, he was excellent. 1,500 yards, 14 touchdowns, 2.3 yards per route run. Um, he he controls the field. He averages like 14 yards per reception on his career. He's really good. Um, he can handle a really high volume. Like we, they threw him 167 passes that year, and he caught 110 of them. So he's. He's pretty good when he's healthy, but he has not been healthy lately. Yeah, he suffered from poor quarterback play in 2016 with the Jets, and he suffered an injury after five games with the Giants last season. So we haven't been able to see what he did since he had that last pretty solid season. Yeah, I'm worried that you know this year it's gonna it's gonna be it could be pretty bad. It, but the thing that I like about it is that the Seahawks have shown they're willing to bring in one of these veterans, and then if it doesn't work out in camp, just cut cut bait and say, yeah, that, that was not something that worked for us. Um, I wish they would have done that last year with Eddie Lacy, <laughs> but but uh, 
They no maybe thought the financial investment was too great. Here, the financial investment's not super big. It's I wouldn't, minimal. I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, if Marshall's not playing very good, he goes the route of the, uh, what was it, Antoine Winfield? Yep. The cornerback we were all excited about that he signed, we signed, and then he never ended up even playing a game. So, yeah. I look at, like, when the Seahawks signed Mike Williams, Pete Carroll's first year. Uh, Mike Williams did a lot of good things for us that year, but he wasn't a burner, and I don't think that it's going to have that big of an impact on the team this year. But it's still another big body that Russ can hurl it up to. And Brandon Marshall has a little bit to prove. I mean, let's face it, he's going out of his comfort zone, headed to the West Coast. We talked about him being a New York guy. Um, He's recovering from an injury. He's not going to burn anyone on the field, but I think he can be a plus receiver for us. At least I'm hoping. I've I really do, like Brandon. Do Marshall. you guys feel like this is a direct challenge to Amara Darbo to like step his game up? Yes, I think the conversation here becomes uh, Darbo either needs to show that he's ready to step into a significant role with the team, or he needs to be ready to probably get dealt because Brown is going to be on the team barring injury, based off what we signed him. So it's Brown and it's Baldwin and it's Lockett. And we know that we're not probably keeping more than about five. So, yeah, it it just squeezes the back end of that wide receiver room a little bit more. And so we're looking at, you know, if Cyril Grayson needs to step up, um, Darbo needs to set up, step up, McAvoy needs to show that he's more than a special teams guy. Otherwise, they'll probably be out. I don't yeah. really know where this team stands on Darbo. A few weeks ago, we were saying that like around the draft, we were thinking, this guy is probably not going to be on the team. Either we we thought maybe they were hiding him, but maybe he just can't play. And then we got excited, like, hey, I think the Seahawks are hiding this guy. He's clearly going to be on the roster. And now I'm back thinking, like, yeah, Brandon Marshall is just there to challenge him. Uh, since we haven't seen enough Darbo, I have no idea what to think let about me, him. Let me give a couple. Had under oh. 300 yards his rookie year. It's very common with Pete Carroll. Like, uh, Lockett's the exception getting that much of an impact as a player. And you have to remember, as a wide receiver, he didn't have as big of an impact his rookie year as we remember him mostly for special teams and for some wow plays. And let me um, let me dig into that 2015 season a bit a because bit, I did so on uh, Pro Football Focus earlier today. And um, in 2015, Brandon Marshall, he, you know, he had a pretty bad drop rate. He had 11 drops on 120 catchable balls, 9.57 drop rate. That's fifth worst among receivers that received any kind of volume there and then on deep passes kevin's right he's not much of a deep threat he was targeted 30 times in the deep pass game only caught nine of them dropped three times um so yeah he was he was not great you know it's be a catch at the sticks kind of guy yeah he's he controls the middle of the field he's good um he's big he can teach he probably teach darbo a thing or two to be honest with you if that's maybe their plan is to have him darbo you know this is the guy you need to learn to be right you need to be brandon marshall you have the physical tools. Go out and learn how to beat that guy. Yeah. So, all right. So that that was the big Seahawks news. The other big Seahawks piece of news was Cliff Averill um, had an interview on uh, I think it was Damashek, and yep. he said he said that um, we've said on this show a long time that we think that there there's a conspiracy theory, right? That the the goal line play kind of broke this team, especially the defense, and it drove everyone to madness, and that's why we had to purge most of the guys uh, off this team. And it, he said Cliff Averill let, lent, lent some credence to that. He said that, that that goal line play really hurt this team, team morale, and that he thinks they would have won a second or maybe even third ti- a third title if they would have uh, been able to to get over that play. Do you guys, uh, one, do you agree with his assessment that we would have had an, an, a good shot at another title? And two, I should start with that. Let's start with that. Do you guys think that he, we would have had a good shot at another title if we would have kept it together? This is such old news. Yes. 
I mean, I think Averill's saying what we already know. If we would have run it with Marshawn and scored, because that's kind of the belief that we would have automatically scored. I'm not sure about that. Who knows? We win that Super Bowl. The next year, we don't have a hangover. And if we do have a hangover, it's a completely different hangover. It's the victory hangover. Like, we can't be touched. And maybe we get punched in the mouth. But It's the we war- Warriors lose after winning 73 games. They lose the title. Kind exactly. of hangover. Yeah, but it's. I feel like with this group, or let me rephrase, with that group, it would have been easy for us to you know, overcome that in time for the playoffs. So, yeah, I think we would have had a third title run at least. Um, but, again, I think that's old news. Kevin? Uh, short answer for this one. Yeah, I do think that the team, and if you look at where the team got, even with that division in the locker room, even with what became basically a offense versus defense mentality within the team, you still saw a team that had a lot of success, made some playoff runs and made a push. So you're not asking for that many more breaks to go the right way. And if morale's higher, if the team is a little more cohesive, if people can put their egos aside a little bit more, you know, it's easy to see the path that gets them there. Uh, and then finally, uh, the my other question for you guys, I think it's hard to, th- let me just say, it's hard to three-peat. You're not, it's not going to happen. I think the assumption that we would have done better if that, if we would have won that Super Bowl is, is tough because as you guys said, there's some kind of mental hang up when you win two in a row and then you go for the third one. It's really hard to be like, yeah, we got to get that third one. Like, also, we had to start paying people. You already got two. And yeah. That kills depth. Ru- like, don't forget that. Yeah. The reason we're, we're worse than we used to be is because Russell Wilson isn't making $300,000 anymore to play quarterback, to play top five quarterback in the NFL play. You know, it's, it's, we're getting way less value out of that position. Um, my, my follow-up question to you guys is, is, do you think that that's, that this is the main reason that the Seahawks decided to you know, turn over so much of the roster this year, Kevin? Uh, I think that there was a big decision here to turn over the roster because that has something to do with it. What it really comes down to is a team hits that point, and we've talked about this already, where you can either continue rolling the same thing out and get stuck in that position. Um, this gets talked about a lot in the NBA. Oh, we can roll out a team that's just good enough to hit like the seven seed and miss the lottery every single year, or we can blow it up, try and hit that reset button and make something better while we still have a few players that have a window. And that's what I'm seeing the Seahawks doing here. The Seahawks are going, okay, we're paying a lot of money to Richard Sherman, and we don't know what he's going to be next year. We're paying a lot of money to uh, Bennett. We don't know how invested he is, and he's getting older. And you say so-and-so on down the line. And you go, okay, is this version of the Seahawks going to make a Super Bowl run? The team obviously thinks no. Once you think no, then you're going, okay, with a top five quarterback in his prime, how much worse is the team going to be if we blow it up? And I think it's cost-benefit analysis. Okay. Eric, do you do you think that... What, what do you think about this uh, this retooling? Uh, I mean, it's part of it. I mean, let's let's face it. Richard Sherman cutting him was a money issue, but Pete Carroll and uh, and John Schneider talked about distractions. Michael Bennett was a distraction. These are two vocal guys, two a vociferous gentlemen who have no problem calling you out whether they're right or wrong. I think both of them have some. You know, the I can say whatever I want at any time attitude. They lack tact. 
And yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. I mean, even if it's just a little bit, it's dissension in the locker room that this team does not need. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't really. Kevin, was there another NFL? I thought there's another Seahawks related story you wanted to cover, right? Oh, I just want to talk real quick about a couple of things that there's a couple of types of stories that are rolling around this time of year. And I just wanted to kind of uh, blow through those real fast. So the first one is you're getting a lot about uh, with Schottenheimer coming in. What's that mean for the offense? How's it change it? And I want to see it in action before I even make any kind of a call on that. Does that make sense? And that's exactly where I wanted that. That's basically what I wanted from you guys was that confirmation. Like now is not the time where you start doing any level of evaluation of that because everyone's going to say and do the right things. Everyone's in the best shape of their lives, you know? And then the other thing is there's a lot of woe is meism about the defense. And I want to talk to you guys real quick about defensive talent versus defensive depth, because I believe we're all on the same page here. The defense is very talented. If you take our starting 11, we have a very talented defense. We're lacking the depth that we're accustomed to. How do you guys see that playing out over the season? This is the kind of roster that you end up with when you have a bunch of players that make a lot of money. You know, like you have four or five guys that take up, you know, 10% or so of the cap each. And so you end up with this roster that if everything goes right and we don't have any injuries, this team's going to be awesome. Like, I really think this team could go 12 and 4, but every injury is going to hurt. And the more important a guy is that gets hurt, the the more that we're going to have to, you know, really deal with those consequences. I'm not... I'm not super worried about the depth on the offensive line because we've we have so many bodies there and we've added just enough that I think we're going to be okay on the offensive line. I think that's a really maybe overconfident thing to hear, but I truly believe it. I think our wide receivers are going to be fine. The offensive side doesn't really bother me. The defense, it's not so much depth. It's the cornerback. It's the secondary talent in general. I don't know how good that is, and I don't know how uh, reliable it is, and the depth there frightens me greatly. Like, if Shaq Griffin goes out, I'm sorry, Shaquille Griffin goes out, what do we have? If Earl doesn't play, what do we have? Cam is not going to play. I mean, if he does, I'll, I don't know, I'll eat something silly on this show. But uh, I feel like I don't know if the talent is there, and the depth there scares me. All right. Um, I think that that pretty much covers it. Yep. I don't think I need to say anything else about that. So um, we're going to get into our little bit of a little bit of NFL news. Um, A couple things for me. Uh, One, uh, Des Bryant, they someone asked him on Twitter. They said, Des, what team do you want to play for? He gave a one word answer. He said 49ers and then deleted the tweet. Uh, Would you be uh, more scared of the 49ers if they had Des Bryant on their team? Not really. Okay. No, I don't think it changes how I feel about them at all either. Um, Trell Owens, he's going to be on the cover of Madden 19 Hall of Fame edition. Do you guys have any uh, any thoughts about this? Is Terrell Owens in the Hall of Fame right now? This is my my thought. You ready for this, Kevin? Yeah. This is what happens when you blow through $200 million and you desperately need money. There's no one in the NFL that has like more, needs money worse than Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens kind of turned into football Dennis Rodman, didn't he? Yeah, it's Ooh, uh, good one. He, that's rough. He is just desperate for money, and this is a. Someone said, "Hey, we'll give you fifty bucks if you get on the cover of uh, 
Madden NFL Hall of Fame edition. It's probably more than that, actually. It's probably way more. Yeah, he uh, probably gets a decent amount, and I hope he does something good with it because I hate seeing players pays like, pays off debt that he already has. Like, not going to happen. Terrell Owens has done some really dumb things lately for money. Remember, he was on a bunch of weird TV shows. He was on the MTV's The Challenge, uh, the Champs versus Stars. Like, I mean, Arian Foster was in it, but I expect Arian Foster to do stuff like this because his career got cut short, you know? So he's got to start trying to figure out, you know, hey, what are ways I can... Terrell Owens played until he's almost 40, you know? He's... I don't know. It just wears me out. I think he could have played for the... the personality to coach, so that's No, he could have played for the Seahawks that he caught that pass in the end zone. All right. um, (laughs) Pat Mahomes had a rocky practice, Kevin. He said, this is the time you're supposed to make mistakes. How do you feel about that? Uh, Yeah, this is the time you're supposed to make mistakes. So I guess uh, good analysis there, bud. Um, okay, <laughs> Broncos Broncos brought in uh, 76ers GM Sam Hinkie for analytics consulting. Do you trust the process? This is bizarre. I think it's fine. <laughs> I actually if really like it, too. If you're looking at how to handle cap space and you're looking at how to think about assets flexibly, I mean, how is that really any different than going and watching like a D2 team run a wishbone because you want to see how one type of run block works? The, that's what this is what happens. These people have nothing to do except for digest football information. Why not digest a little front office information? Okay, and this is my favorite story. You ready, Kevin? The uh, Ravens want to change the NFL rules so that you get a point for a kickoff <laughs> through the uprights. Helping my boy Justin Tucker, the best kicker in the NFL, and I guarantee you, the one guy who could do this the most consistently. There's no way no one's anyone else is better at this than him. Uh, giving him a huge advantage in the in the NFL. How do you feel about that? I think it depends on which foot he gets to use. Yeah, there we go. I mean, Got him. it's just crazy. Like, it's good for player safety, though. That's why I like the rule. Like, it's going to stop it's people fine. from getting hurt on, hurt on kickoffs because the people are going to try to kick it through. I mean, it's dumb, but I mean, it's, it's kind of cool dumb. It's really dumb, but what if they did it and they got rid of the other extra point? What if they just said, <laughs> hey, this is what the extra point is. You can get one extra point by kicking it off through the uprights. Sure. Yeah, no, right. I disagree. You don't like that? You want there to be two extra points now? I want. You want kickers to matter more? All extra points, of course. Let's come on. Let's help our kickers boy. Players too. Scott Gar- Walsh. Scott G- Scott Gifford really likes the idea that kickers Thank matter. Thank you, Scott. More. That's for you. <laughs> Big ups to Scott. Finally, uh, my last NFL story I got for you guys. Um, they they did market research with fourteen hundred NFL fans, and they all got to rank the logos uh, based on how much they liked it. The number ten logo was your Seattle Seahawks logo. Do you guys have a guess for number one? It was a tie, but they're. They they had a tiebreaker, so it's gonna be something like classic, like a like something that's I don't know. Okay, Eric, you got a guess? I would have guessed the Green Bay Packers. I'm gonna go with uh, either Detroit or uh, Nolens. Detroit and Orleans is the top two. Nolens is first. <laughs> Detroit is second. Uh, Detroit's such a bad they logo. They look like too. they'd be the on like I the front like of a car. I actually like the Lions logo. Um, but uh, uh, I like the Saints one as a classic. It's a really good looking logo. It's asymmetrical. It has really good colors. Like I understand why that one's. The I like Tampa Bay's number one. Uh, Tampa Bay ranked right in the middle. It was like 15th, and it was right on the average line. Average score was, uh, I think, 90-something. Uh, How are the Seahawks score to 131? How the, are the Bears so low on that list? Jets is second to last. Browns was dead last, 14, because it's an orange, <laughs> it's helmet. orange helmet. It's so stupid. It's, it's not even brown. It's such Come a on. bad logo. What? Which one did you say was too, too low? The Bears. Eric? The Bears. Like, Bears? That's a classic it's just a logo. C. It's just so? a C. Remember, it's based on aesthetics. Like... The, t- the the flaming T is right next to it too. For oh, so the who did they? That I mean, did horrible. they interview fans or did they interview like fashion people? Yeah, honestly, I think the Colts should be up next to the Cowboys on that list. I think it's kind of dumb that those are so far apart. I like this li- the new Lions logo. It looks. I like the way it looks with the little. I I don't know. It looks fierce. Um, 
it's it's good. It's 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 decent. All right, here we go. So let's get into what we're actually going to do today. Our 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 activity, as it were. Um, you know, we always come up with something in the off season to try to get uh, the juices flowing. So today, and this is the dead zone. Today, we are going to go over AFC over unders. Way too early. No injuries. No starters announced. Uh, rosters are not set. Play preseason games have not been played. We've barely let got into OTAs. We're going to go over the over-under for each team and tell you what we think you should bet today. So, so starting this is off, your degenerative gambling preview. Yeah, if you want to know what our gambling podcasts are like in the for the, the Seahawks nest, you're about to find out. All right, so we'll start off with the AFC East. The AFC East was headlined last year by the New England Patriots, who went 13-3. and uh, Oh, wait, I should have done an alphabetical. This is my bad. Okay, New England Patriots, they went 13-3. and uh, key figures on the New England Patriots include Rob Gronkowski, Chris Hogan, and Tom Brady on offense. And the defense features Danny Shelton, uh, Trey Flowers, Jason McCourty, and Stefan Gilmore. And the other McCourty. Yeah, they have both McCourty's now, but I don't think one of them is going to start. That's <laughs> that's a, that's for a different... It's McCourty squared. It's for a different day of the podcast, I guess, where I bring that hot take. So the New England Patriots over-under has been set at 11. If you take over 11, you get minus 160. If you get under 11... You get plus 130, so a little bit of extra vig on the under. Eric, which way are you leaning for the New England Patriots? Let's go over. Why not? Still in the AFC East, right? Yep. So you're not, you're, not a, you're not a Bills believer, or you're not, you don't believe in the Miami Dolphins, number one? A believer? <laughs> uh, you don't think the Jets can go better than 5-11 and 11 after last year? They got 5-11 and 11 against all odds? They might, but it's not coming against the Patriots. All right. Kevin? This is not a great... Uh... AFC East, they do have to play the first place schedule, but I don't know. I'm taking the push. Taking the push. I'm taking the push. If can't, I were, if you were to bet. ask me, I would bet. I would think they were saying 11. Can't, can't bet on the push, so Kevin automatically loses. Uh, the and he knows this too. That so he's really trolling the question, which I which I uh, am very on the first team to Kevin. I'll take the over because okay. I I would say they're going to get 11 or 12 as opposed to 10 or 11. Yeah, the under here is tough. You, I would not bet this. The, let me put it that way. The under here is tough, like under 10, but you can bet on this. Tom Brady has to get old at some point, yeah, right? Yeah, at some point. At some like, point, Tom Brady has to be like worse than he was last year. But then I'm betting that the hoodie can't just pull a Matt Castle out of nowhere. Yeah, but who, they're, who's Peyton their, Manning their backup, last year? Their backup, their backup is can't. Hoyer, who's actually a better quarterback than Castle. Yeah, sure. All right. I, I don't know. I'm going to go... I would say over probably, but I wouldn't bet this either. This is a horrible, horrible it's a, it's bet. It's a bad, it's and, a well set line. Yeah, and also you get like you have to give a lot to go over minus one sixty. Like yep. that's that's not a great feeling doing that. The Buffalo Bills. No one circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills to the tune of six and a half wins. That's right. The nine and seven Buffalo Bills are expected this year. To over under set at six and a half. Over plus one ten. Under. Minus 140. Betters hammering the under. Some key figures for the Buffalo Bills include Kelvin Benjamin, Zay Jones, LaShawn McCoy, and A.J. McCarron on the offense. The defense is head headlined by Shaq Lawson, Jermaine Edmonds, Micah Hyde, Tredavious White, some other people you've probably heard of. Their kicker, Steven Hauschka, Seahawks legend. Kevin, over or under six and a half. Man, their quarterbacks is either A.J. McCarron or... Josh Allen. Yep. This is why this under is six and a half. I think I they I, I have five and eleven written all over him. Who knew that Tyrod Taylor was worth like four or five wins? Because if Tyrod was still their quarterback, I bet this is seven and a half or eight and a half. Which means I would say he's worth three wins. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, minimum. it's two or three wins right in the bag. Yeah. I, th- I think this would be eight. So that's one and a half wins on the line plus the, all the vig from hammering the under. Yeah, I'm taking the under on this. All right, Eric. Uh, I'll dissent and just. 
be super confident because they've added so much. And this is the A.J. McCarron at quarterback, right? The yeah, AJ, the uh, one that had half a good game once. Yeah, and uh, I, so many people wanted I'll, him. I'll say this. I like Tremaine Edmonds quite a bit. So do I. He is a very good football I, player. I really like them in 2019. I don't – or 2020. I don't like him in 2019. I don't know. I think if even by a game or a half game, I'll take the over. All right. I'm going to take the under. Uh, I think 6-10 and 10 is pretty solid. The fact that you get 6-10 and 10 makes the under pretty tempting here, pretty juicy. So I'm gonna take six and ten. Uh, losing on a seven and nine here though is probably how you go out. You probably bet this, and then seven and nine comes through, and you're dead. Yeah, because uh, McCoy's worth something. I'm just assuming he gets injured because they have to run him so much. All right, Miami Dolphins went six and ten last year. The some some head key players they have on their roster: Kenny Stills, Larry Tunzel, Ryan Tannehill, and Frank Gore's corpse feature on the offense. Cameron Wake, Robert Quinn, and that's Minka Fitzpatrick feature on the D. The Miami Dolphins over under. This is one of my favorite ones of the whole thing. Is over under six, and I'm going to tell you guys, g- give me the over, give me the over on the Dolphins. I like Dolphins. Dolphins minus 150 over six. I like that one. I think it's solid. Worst case scenario is you push. I really can't see how this roster goes five and eleven. It's just like too good of a roster. So. Uh, and I, I don't hate Tannehill. I've, I'm on record saying that before. I think Tannehill is aggressively mediocre, which is fine. <laughs> what you got, Irk? Yeah. Uh, I love you, Nathan, but you are insane. I'm taking the under. This is this is why I went slightly over on the Bills, is because I knew the Dolphins were coming up. Under, under, under. There is no way this team wins more than four games. Give me the under. Kevin. Oh, my goodness. Kenyon Drake is a solid pass-catching running back. If you look at his uh, per-snap basis, Kenyon Drake has a really good chance of having a breakout season coming up. Their wide receiver core is solid. Their offensive line is pretty good. And Cameron Wake creates a pass rush all his own. I'm taking the over on this. Ryan Tannehill is at least three wins better than Jay Cutler. Crazy. Yeah, Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler sunk this team last year, and they still, you know, almost covered this over at six and ten. And I'm not ready to bury their coach yet. Yeah, Adam Gase. Yeah, I think yeah. I think Gase deserves a chance with the roster he wants. Okay, New York Jets last season went five and eleven. They shocked the world. Under wait, by going what's it? Five and eleven. They have a three-headed quarterback monster brewing. Josh McCown, Teddy Bridgewater, and Sam Darnold will fight for. Prefer to be the starting quarterback and get to hand the ball to the Isaiah Crowell and throw it to literally no one. Um, no, they have Terrell, they have Terrell Pryor now. And Quincy Anunua. And Jermaine Curse And, and, and Robbie and Anderson. And <laughs> yeah, we're, 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 this is a joke because they're, they're not. Their defense features Tremaine Johnson and Morris Claiborne. Darius Stewart. Sharon I actually like their cornerbacks. The rest of their defense leaves something to be desired. The New York Jets. <laughs> the New York Jets over and under is set at six. Uh, over will get you... Over will get you plus 105, under get you minus 135. Got to give a little to go under, and I'm going to give it. I do not like this Jets team. I don't like the fact that they're going into the season with, like, three different options at quarterback and super unsettled at that position. If you got three quarterbacks, you got no quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I just think you got to – I think they should have already picked their guy. They should not have this many options. Uh, Kevin, what do you think about the Jets? What's the over-under set at? Six. Oh, I don't yeah, this, like that number. This team has six and ten written all over them. Let's just, see. <laughs> so you got to uh, think. What do you like better, five or seven? Though they achieved as well as they probably could last year and went five and eleven. So I feel like I'm taking that under button. I'm going uh, Grandpa and the Lost Boys. If you have three quarterbacks, you don't need any receivers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just because it's fun and. 
I don't know. I really like their coach. I really like Todd Bowles quite oh, a bit. I love Todd Bowles. I'm going over. I'll Eric, just take you the over. Take the next uh, nine podcasts off because you just put in. You just put in your work. Thank you. <laughs> Pitts, Pittsburgh Steelers uh, are, are, are our next team. Pittsburgh Steelers went 13 and three last year, which I, I did like a double take when I saw that. I was like, they went 13 and three. Yup. Like they won 13 games last year. The Pittsburgh Steelers offense features Antonio Brown, Juju Smith, Schuster, Ben Roethlisberger, and sort of Le'Veon Bell. Possibly Le'Veon Bell. Uh, yeah. Uh, he's been franchised, but not not there yet. Possibly uh, Le'Veon Bell. Their defense features TJ Watt, Artie Burns, and some other dudes. I don't know if it features Artie Burns. It has Artie Burns. Yeah, Terrell Edmonds, <laughs> Kevin. Uh, I don't know. This defense is, is it's not my favorite. It's young. Okay, so <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers over and under has been set at 10.5. Over and minus 105, under minus 125. I think this is one of the toughest picks on the slate. Eric, start us off. Pittsburgh Ooh. Steelers over and under 10.5. This is the tough one because this, much like the New England Patriots, this is the team that's going to just fall apart one day. But, man, uh, Mike Tomlin's really good at just reloading and reloading. You mean Omar Epps? I'm just going to go over because I don't trust their division. It's tough, but i got to go over. Yeah, I'm the opposite. I think that the Steelers are going to go uh, under because this division is improving. And so I'm I'm, I'm under on the Steelers, but Kevin. You, real quick, do you trust that division? Yes. I think Baltimore Ravens have a real quarterback on their roster now. Uh, I think that the... Hey, Baker Mayfield's excellent. The, uh, I think Baker Mayfield is definitely worth more than zero wins. So, um, yeah, I think that L16 is going to end at some point this season. Baker Mayfield definitely counteracts Hugh Jackson. It puts it at net zero. <laughs> I mean, now now they might win like four or five games. Uh, we'll get to that over and Kevin, over. yeah, Kevin, what's your picks, man? Uh, Nate stole my thunder. I'm taking the over. You're taking the I'm over? I'm taking the under. I mean, oh, I was taking the under, yeah. Yeah, I'm smashing that under button. I think they'll be at nine or ten. I think Roethlisberger is going to talk a big game, go out there and try and prove himself and get hurt. And yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Lev Bell ends up sitting out part of the part of the season or coming in very disgruntled. Yeah, it's it's not hard to bet against Roethlisberger at this point. Like he seems done. He seems done. Okay, Baltimore Ravens went nine and seven last year. Uh, their roster features uh, Lamar Jackson, Robert Griffin the third. I'm just gonna stay away from Joe Flacco altogether. Alex Collins, uh, Michael Crabtree. Their defense features Terrell Suggs, who came back. And Tony Jefferson and Eric Weddle, the best safety combination in the NFL. Come at me. Uh, Baltimore's over-under is set at 8, and I'm hammering that over 8. Give me give me over 8, minus 135, especially if Flacco somehow ends up not being less involved. The less involved Flacco is, the more I like the over. So as this gets closer, if, if they're like, yeah, Flacco just lost the camp competition, I'm going to be like, all in, Baltimore over. <laughs> I'm going to push some chips in on that one. What do you guys think? Uh, Marshall Yonda's back, so the offensive line should be functioning again. I like what Alex Collins showed. Uh, even if Joe Flacco ends up being the primary quarterback, they're going to get Lamar Jackson in in creative ways, and there's been a significant upgrade to this receiving core. I mean, they have Michael Crabtree, Willie Sneed, who, despite appearing on the side of milk containers last year, has shown that he can play in the NFL some. And then they picked up Jordan Lastly, who's a very talented receiver in the draft, and Jaleel Scott, who's kind of one of those bigger body guys. So I think this offense could end up showing itself to be pretty solid, and there's no question that the defense is a solid defense. So, I mean, I, I would be shocked if somehow they couldn't go over that eight. I mean, that's a really easy hurdle to clear. I thought that it was going to be set at nine, which I might have to think about. So, yeah, I'm taking that over easy. 
Easy over, but Joe Flacco is going to start. Yeah, if Joe Flacco is the quarterback, I'm I get dicey on this because eight and eight seems like it'd be real. Seven he and nine might get hurt. Yeah, let's 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 hope for that. I guess <laughs> uh, Cincinnati Bengals last year they went seven and nine. They're uh, they feature Andy Dalton and AJ Green on offense, along with Joe Mixon. Uh, Gene, their defense features Geno Axons, Vontezzi, Burfecht, Sam Hubbard, and Jesse Bates have been added to the mix via the draft. Uh, their over-under is set at 6.5. I like them for over that. Um, no really explanation. The Bengals just shouldn't. They should have been like nine, eight and 8-8, eight, 9-7 and seven last year, I felt like. So, yeah, there you go. They, they got the big win, though, to send Buffalo to the playoffs. <laughs> Kevin, what do you think about the Bengals? I think adding Cordy Glenn and Billy Price makes the offensive line good enough, um, which is really important because Andy Dalton falls apart under pressure. Uh, Tyler Eifert's probably never going to play a full season his entire career, but they've shown Tyler Croft can make up the uh, difference on that a bit. And their receiving core has gotten more talented. So despite the fact that their front seven has gotten old and I don't trust it anymore, I do love Drake Kirkpatrick and William Jackson the third enough that I think they should make seven and nine no problem. Over seven and nine, no problem. Totally agree with Kevin. All right, here's a real here's a, here's a real tough one. You guys ready? The Owen sixteen Browns come to come to play. They have they have revamped their team to the tune of their offense. Features Carlos Hyde, Nick Chubb, Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, Josh Gordon, and Corey Coleman. Their defense features Miles Garrett, Manuel Ogba, Denzel Ward, Jabril Peppers, and uh, other humans on Earth. Uh, the Browns. Over under. This, here you go. Here you go. You ready? Ready to play with fire? Five and a half. Over Ooh. minus one ten. Under minus one twenty. Good luck with this one. Kevin, lead us off. Take us to victory here. Uh, five and a half is rough. That's high. I That's mean, very high. Off of zero. I wanted to go like over four and a half or over three and a half. Over five and a half. When you hit five and a half, then you're asking me not just to trust the talent acquisition, but also the person in charge of pushing the buttons. And I don't trust Hugh Jackson. I want to take the over. I would love to take the over. But as long as his name is next to HC, I can't do it. I'm taking the under. Five and 11. I'm with you, Kevin. I'm under on this one because the Hugh Jackson effect. It's just too much to overcome. Like, how do you overcome such poor coaching? Well, I feel like they have a plan. You know, they brought in Jarvis Landry for a lot of money, and they added some really good draft picks. But, I mean, adding five wins to any team is a huge task. And this team disappointed me last year. I thought they were really going to come through with four wins. I think they want to get one more really good draft in, and then they're going to turn the corner. Also, don't forget, they lost one of the all-timers at left tackle, Mm. and they really did not replace him. And Willie Rofe still isn't there. All right, so let's go. We're going to hustle through these last two divisions. We're going to go ahead and head over to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who went 10-6 and six last year. J- Jacksonville, I'm just going to say the key ads, okay, because I'm, I'm, I'm done just shouting out like a million guys. Here we go. So the key ad for the for the Jacksonville Jaguars is, is like Barry Church. I don't even really know. Who, who's even going to play? Taven Bryan? Like, I don't feel like they added anyone who's actually going to get playing time. DJ Chark? Anyway, the, J- the Jaguars roll back the same roster from last year, basically. Uh, uh, minus wide receiver talent, except they were all injured anyway. Yeah, they had DJ Chark. They added DJ Chark, though. I don't know. Yeah, those guys were hurt. And anyway. Dante Moncrief. Okay, over-under set at 9. Over, minus 130. Under, even money. I'm going to take the under because Bortles, Bortles, Bortles. Eric. If there's one team set to regress heavily, 
it is this Jacksonville, Jacksonville Jaguar. You know, I'll keep it German. Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, this team isn't isn't built for the long haul. I know their defense looks really great. I have no faith in this team. As you said, Blake Bortles, Blake Bortles, Blake Bortles, under. Kevin. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take the under because I don't trust Leonard Fournette to stay healthy long enough to keep this offense going. I think they would go to – I would trust him to get eight more than I would trust them to get ten. So I'm going to go ahead and take the under on this. All right. Uh, all right. Yeah, we're all in agreement here, Jacksonville play the under Tennessee Titans the Titans last year went nine and seven and backslid into the playoffs the Titans uh they I they added draft picks so Rashawn Evans uh they've got Luke Falk to play back a quarterback they don't Harold Landry will maybe play some uh some some edge rusher uh they got Malcolm Butler now and they have running back Deion Lewis so the Tennessee Titans make some key ads. Is it enough to get them over this hump of over and under eight wins? Over minus 110, under minus 120. Titans, uh, you know, there's one thing that stops me from going clear over on this, Kevin. Can you predict what it is? Uh, I would guess it's the... Actually, I'm not sure. What is it? I Can I guess what it is? Yeah, go ahead. Is it the health of Marcus Mariota? Okay, that's part of it. I don't, I don't totally trust Marcus Mariota. My other thing is, is I don't totally the trust the change in the coaching staff. I don't me. I don't trust Mike Vrabel, man. Like what what how am I supposed to trust him to be like a good NFL head coach? Have you right seen the what coach they left? Yeah, I know. He, Mo- he only has to be horrible. fine and it'll be the same. All right, give me over though. Give me over. It's it's this is like one of those ones where it's like I feel like it's a trap. I feel like we're being led into a trap cuz over 8 seems easy. Yeah, for this a team, team has this 9 talented. and 7 written all over him. Uh, they've got a really good offensive line. Their wide receiver play is going to improve because it was very young. Uh, and Derrick Henry is getting the keys to the car. That Derrick Henry, Deion Lewis backfield, I have a lot of faith in. That is something that you could definitely run an offense through. And adding talent at cornerback with getting both Logan Ryan and uh, Malcolm Butler to add to a Dory Jackson. Uh, all in all, just a significant... Uh, a talent upgrade in important spots for them. I like what Kevin said about the running back core. I really like that. Uh, I think their defense is going to be better, and or at least samezy. And I think this new helmet is going to do amazing things for them. I will say this. I'm taking the over, but only by a game because uh, this the AFC is kind of coming down to trust. Like, their trust issues. We've said that with all the teams. Like, I don't trust this. And I don't trust Marcus Mariota to play a full season, and this team cannot excel, cannot really get far into the playoffs if they're at all without him. So over, but really, really hesitant. All right. Uh, the next uh, team is the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts last year went 4-12. and They brought in my favorite draft pick, Quentin Nelson, uh, Eric Ebron. Uh, they really overpaid Ryan Grant. Uh, they might have Andrew Luck back. Who knows at this point? I feel like that's like the greatest mystery. If you know, this over-under is really easy. Uh, so over and under six and a half. Over is minus 135. Under plus 105. Eric, do you know the status of, of Andrew Luck's shoulder? Uh, I, I feel so bad for Andrew Luck. I'm taking the under on this because it sounds like he may play, and that's not an endorsement. I mean, it's not quite like what the Seahawks, Seahawks have with Malik McDowell. But, man, life kind of sucks if you're a Colts fan because you had this supposedly next great quarterback coming up and he is not playing. And there's no, like, constant news about him getting better. That tells me all I need to know. I'm going under. I don't think 
Andrew Luck plays more than maybe the last five games. And as Kevin will tell you, at that point, do you even play him at all? At that point, I wouldn't play him at all, but I don't think that's going to be the issue. I also think Jacoby Brissett is underrated. He came in in horrendous circumstances. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, he just took a sack while Eric was making that comment. And their offensive line has improved through the draft. Quentin Nelson's so health. good. Quentin Nelson's really good. Costanzo's a functioning left tackle. Ryan Kelly's going to be healthy, which is a big get back for them. And I feel like they made some significant improvements on defense last year with Quincy Wilson and Malik Hooker. So I feel like this team should get to seven wins. I'm under on this. I hate Andrew Luck. I think that he, there's no way he's going to be healthy. And then Brissett, yeah, Brissett is anywhere between five and eight, eight wins. But I, that that gives me a lot of leeway with this under. So I'm going to go um, under. I'm going to go. I'm going to bet under because I really like this next team, Houston Texans. Houston Texans gave up a lot to get to Deshaun Watson, so they didn't have much, by the way, of draft picks, but they did get Tyron Matthew. Uh, Houston Texans last year went 4-12. and Their over-under is 8.5. I'm going over minus 150. Kevin, what, what do you think about the Texans? I think the Texans are the best team in the division if they can stay healthy, but they are paper thin with a bad offensive line. I'm Wait, this sounds under. familiar. Sounds like another team I root for. I'm taking the under on this one. <laughs> All right. Uh, Eric? I think this, injuries sink them. This may be my favorite AFC team. The addition of uh, Tron Matthew is like... Oh, they're so fun when they're healthy. I don't know. It's something about, like, yes, this is the team I want him on because I didn't like rooting against him on the Cardinals. Uh, I will say this. I think... I'm, what is the number again, Nathan? Eight and a half. Eight and a half. Jeez. Let's go over. I'm being super optimistic. Deshaun Watson is the greatest quarterback next yeah. to... Uh, Garoppolo. I feel like I have to pick over for the Texans if I'm going to pick under for the Colts and the Jags. Like yeah. some teams going to yep. soak up some of those wins. Did you say over? Yes. Eric? Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, Kansas City Chiefs, ten and six last year. Kansas City. Uh, they their big ads. Sammy Watkins, uh, who thinks he's an alien. Let's remind you guys. He's that's, just that's true. He's just always been different, you know. And then they... Um, he took those puberty videos in health got, class way too They got serious. Breland Speaks and Derek Nandy. They got some guys. All right. So then the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a this is a, a, a nice one, Kevin. You're going to love this because it's really easy. Okay, over, under, eight and a half. Under, <laughs> under, under. Their quarterback's Pat Mahomes. Uh, give me minus 120, uh, under eight and a half. Eric. Yeah, I don't really know what to think about the Chiefs plan for this year and I don't I don't know I know Kevin likes Mahomes and Kevin, I don't I don't know what to don't. say about him so I'm just gonna don't. go under at least for this year I would say we like Mahomes yeah I was gonna say don't cap, don't saddle Kevin with my bad decision making <laughs> I thought you were way too early on Mahomes you wanted him to start last year I think this is the right time to do it they're changing over a lot of things on offense Tyreek Hill is really talented as a playmaker they overpaid Sammy Watkins I think that this team has like six and ten, seven and nine written all over them. I think they'll be a clear under on that. If they do better, if they do better than this, it's because Andy Reid um, is awesome. Quarterback, Quarterback whisperer. whisperer. Yeah, Los Angeles Chargers nine and seven last year. Uh, they are my one of my favorite, the greatest the, team on earth. One of my favorite rosters. Uh, they added Derwin James, who I think was my favorite player when I studied the draft this year. So I don't nice really need to, to say more than that. Uh, they already had Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, Melvin Gordon, Philip Rivers, Keenan Allen, Tyrell Williams, Mike Williams. They got all kinds of dudes. Uh, they their over under is set at nine and a half. Give me the over minus one hundred five. Under is minus one twenty five. Eric, where do you stand on the L A Chargers? 
I still think they play in a shoebox. Philip Rivers, easily the greatest quarterback in the world if you're Nathan Sano. Uh, I'm sorry not to not to trash on him, but I have under on this team. This team just cannot put it together. I don't anticipate them doing it this year. There's there's not enough that I've seen in any of Philip Rivers' games that tells me it's it's going to go his way, and that's not always his fault. I'll I'll give you that, Nathan. But I'm taking the over on the I'm sorry under on the Chargers. They got Dan Feeney and Forrest Lamp back and healthy. I like this offensive line. They should have Mike Williams all season. They've got really good outside receivers for a good quarterback who could throw accurately. Melvin Gordon knows what he wants to do. I think Justin Jackson is a really interesting change of pace back for them to have picked up. Uh, Their defense is extremely talented. They have one of the best defenses in the NFL. There's a lot to like about this team. Uh, the only problem I have right now is that Hunter Henry died, so yeah. Uh, yeah. losing him sucks. But it's already they already got the injury. They made their sacrifice. They were like, "Let us sacrifice Hunter Henry's knee to the go- to the injury gods, and that will hopefully stop us from getting everyone hurt ever like we do every year." But I'm gonna have the Clippers winning the division, so I got to take them on the over because nine ain't gonna do it. All right, so I'm taking over. Denver Broncos. They got Case Keenum to come in and play quarterback. They got they drafted Royce Freeman, Cortland Sutton. They brought they strengthened their strength with Bradley Chubb and Josie Jewell. They they last year went six or five and eleven, sorry, and their over under is set at oh gotta scroll, sorry, my bad. Uh over under seven. This one's hard. Over is minus one fifty five. I actually understand why over is such a huge favorite for this. This team's this seems like a roster that's poised for a bounce back. That being said, I don't trust their quarterback play at all. Seven seems like a really, really good number. Like I would pick, like I'm probably going to pick them to go seven and nine when we do our previews. Uh, so give me, give me the under. I want to take the vig. I want plus one twenty five if I feel like seven's the right number. Okay, I'm sitting in the opposite position. I'm looking at seven wins. And I'm seeing them more at eight than at six. So I'm going to go ahead and take the over on this one. I think Case Keenum is a fine quarterback, and the rest of the roster is good enough to make that work. You're going to look at an uptick in production from running back. I think those wide receivers are tired of hearing about how bad they are when they're not bad at all, and that defense is going to be hungry. I'm taking the under because one year of Case Keenum doesn't make me a Case Keenum believer, and I just I don't like this Broncos team. I like their draft. I thought their draft was pretty cool. And good for them. And I th- I see good things in their future outside of this year. Under. All right. Then finally, we have the Oakland Raiders. The Oakland Raiders decided to build 2013's best fantasy offense by picking up Jordy Nelson and Doug Martin. Uh, they've got Martavis Bryant now, uh, Colton Miller, Arden Key, PJ Hall. I hate this team. I think they suck. They went 6-10 uh, and 10 last year. I don't see any reason they shouldn't repeat that performance since the over-under is set at eight. I'm hammering that under minus one ten. Overs minus one twenty. Kevin, I could not take the under harder. They got older. They got slower. They got worse, and they got a d bag of a coach. Uh, uh, I'm right back to the old Seattle style with the Oakland Raider haters because this team is due to regress. I don't know if the city of Oakland deserves this, but. Man, under, under, under all day. This is a this is a clear plan that Gruden has, and nobody gets it. And maybe we're all stupid, and Gruden is a secret genius. But there is no way that this team is going to come over 
and come back with 10 wins. I don't care how good Derek Carr may be. Kevin said it. This team got older. Those old injured players, Eric, uh, you wouldn't believe it. I, they're run by a madman. I mean, I love Gruden just because he's not coaching my team. That's not an endorsement. Give me the under. Okay. Um, so that's uh, that's the AFC over-unders. Uh, if you, do you have a favorite over and under, send, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, let us know which over and under we missed the most. Which one were we the most off on? Uh, which one did we just like, you know, really poop the bed on? Uh, so let's head over to, let's head over to the money zone. I didn't want to put any money in the swear jar this week. Poor Nathan okay? has a baby hangover. I'm so, I'm so poor. I'm so poor. I can't even afford the change for the swear jar guys. It's, that's how, that's how poor I am right now. Um, let's get in the money zone. Uh, if you want to stop me from being poor, you can head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest and give me, uh, give us money to buy new podcast things. Also to uh, support the podcast in to many pay, different ways. To pay Nathan back for the podcast things he already bought. Yeah, basically <laughs> help me pay for things that I already paid money for. Uh, so, so help us help your ear. Uh, if you want to head over to patreon.com slash you also will receive during the season uh, gambling podcasts like the thing you just heard. Uh, although usually it's, it'll be a lot, t- it's a lot tighter. The podcast is only 20 minutes long. So it's like, it's like that, but maybe it's 16 about, games in 16 minutes, maybe about a thousand times tighter than whatever that was. Um, and, uh, then yeah, let's, let's set our patrons up. Let's, 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 let's let them know that we, uh, we know who they are. So thank you to Forrest, Lucas, Carrie, David, Mirza, Keith, Arthur, Frank, Tom, Michelle, Brian, Josh, Brett, Augustine, William, Russell, uh, and then Kimberly. That those are the people that are really making this podcast. Do you have happen. a new patron, or did someone up their pledge? Someone up their pledge. Oh man, so, we love you. So that's a uh, that's big ups to I think it was Josh. Josh, yeah, Josh, you're the man. Uh, oh, nice. We gotta mail a sticker. We gotta Is that mail Josh some, from Eagle River. We gotta probably, probably yeah. We gotta mail some stickers, bros. Um, we gotta do it. Also, uh, me and Brett are gonna start this Google Chat thing on here. Or maybe we're gonna. St- I think we might just start a podcast Discord. I might change that to a podcast Discord. If you want a podcast Discord, can you please let me know? Um, then, uh, if you let's say you're you're broke like me and you can't afford anything and you want to support the podcast, well, head over to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you find this podcast and give us the highest rating possible. It's stupid, but it really helps. Uh, head over to Twitter.com/slash/SeahawksNest and give us a follow. Facebook.com/slash the the Seahawks Nest and give us a follow. Fuck Mark Zuckerberg. Ah, dang it! Now I have to go into the swear jar. And, That's all right. And, I'll spot you, bro. And uh, then uh, the other social media we have is Instagram.com/slash Seahawksnest. Right now, just a picture of my baby in some Seahawks gear. Like four, four of you followed it, even though there was basically no content. So big ups to you guys. Uh, additionally. If you are talking off-season news with anybody at your work, if you're talking to your friend, if you're hanging around the barbecue throwing a football and the Seahawks come up, you know, just, just get a little podcast a plug. Say, yeah. yeah, I was listening to the Seahawks Nest, and and they might go, what's the Seahawks Nest? And then and then you have officially sold the show. Yeah. Uh, Grow then, the family. And then, we'll, and then we'll sell out one day, and it'll be uh, the Seahawks Nest presented by The Ringer, and I'll have to read some some fucking live read for... Oh, my... Did it again. Uh, the, I'll have to read some, roll. some live read for, for, uh, for, you know... Uh, the Jezebel Mattress. No, 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 no. Their, their live reads are all for... Uh, they No, it's it's some stupid uh, ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter. If you want to post your jobs, a million jobs, get the right candidate, Zip Recruiter. I'm Nathan, you're tired and don't want to mow your lawn. Would you like to hire somebody to handle your household chore needs? Contact Zip Recruiter and you'll get someone fast and qualified. Or if you want to wait a year, John Gruden of the 
My favorite thing is Bill whenever <laughs> Bill Simmons whenever he he does the ZipRecruiter ad, he always is like, "Oh, I just found the candidates. I didn't use ZipRecruiter." It's like, "Bill, <laughs> you're not really selling your product when you're like, I'm really He's like, "I'm really good at finding good people to work here." It's like, "I know, dog. You hired uh Shay Serrano. You're the man because that's the best sports writer on in the universe." <laughs> and he was a science teacher like I am. You think so, he got ZipRecruited? Yeah, but he did not get ZipRecruited. <laughs> uh my favorite is uh, there's a board game podcast I listen to that does uh uh our ad read for boardgametables.com and they're like uh, these are fashioned out of solid wood by manly men who grow stubble and drive Camaros or something like that every single time and it's like all right this is this is clearly clearly you don't want to do this read good for you uh, so uh, action uh, this week movie club action point comes out this week starring Johnny Knoxville it looks Real bad, but the real story is actually super interesting. It looks way less it's, interesting than the real story. Yeah, if you go Google like Action Park, it's a real place. Uh, Action Park is a was a like a do it yourself theme park in New Jersey where people got hurt all the time, and the the attractions would just they would just build them and then try them to see if they work. My favorite Action Park story. I got to tell this on the podcast. Okay, Action Park. They built a slide ride with a loop-de-loop in it okay so you're 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 sliding with your body like a water slide and then there's a loop-de-loop okay so they tried it the first guy goes through he gets halfway through the loop and falls down does not do it loses two of his teeth can't find him they make some adjustments to the ride the second guy goes through he does the loop-de-loop and makes it but he cuts himself on the other guy's teeth, which were still in the loop-de-loop. They yep. found him. So uh, that's my favorite action park story. And that's just a that's just a small taste of how crazy the real-life version of this was, which is why I think it's dumb that they're making like a Johnny Knoxville uh, slapstick humor version of it. Like, the real story is crazy enough. Don't make it look stupid. I would actually rather see a documentary. Yeah. Honestly, I would watch the crap I want to see it. I want to see it get the treatment that that Netflix show did. The one, the Netflix show about the cult in Oregon. What was that called? Yes, I know what you're talking um, about. But, but yeah, yeah, that, it's always I there. want that treatment for this park. That would be really um, cool. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, so, so we're gonna talk about another. Uh, yeah, let's let's talk about theme park movies though. So we're a theme gonna, park that's gone wrong as well. Theme park movie. This is a theme park that didn't go well. We're gonna talk a little Jurassic Park and um, so Jurassic Park movies. There's now four. A fifth one f- drops this summer. Okay, we've got Jurassic Park, The Lost World, Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park Three, which doesn't exist. It's horrible. And then uh, then we've got Jurassic, Jurassic World. World. Okay, so first of all, let me start with this. Um, rank the Jurassic Park movies. You don't have, you don't have to rank three. We all know Jurassic Park Three is last. Uh, so you, you guys are. Do you guys agree with the general consensus? It goes Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, The Lost World, then Jurassic Park Three. Uh, I don't know. I feel like Jurassic World and Jurassic Park Two could be tied. Yeah, I actually would put. This is my main point. Was I think Jurassic Park Two is better than Jurassic World. Jurassic World is is fine. It's functional as a movie. I just think Jurassic Park Two, The Lost World, Jurassic Park is a good movie up until. Like the very last scene where Steven Silver said he like he's like I want to ha- see a T Rex rip through a real city. So then they film this bizarre scene where a T Rex escapes in San Diego. And Kevin, we talked about it before the podcast. Kevin, what did you say? So uh, he was asking me about the movie. I'm like, all I remember was there was this really dumb scene where like a T Rex is chasing a semi truck through a tunnel or something. And I've become convinced that the last like third of that movie is so bad it caused me to forget the first two-thirds of the movie i honestly can't remember anything from the first two-thirds of that movie i think my brain has just melded it into the first half of jurassic park one yeah so that the <laughs> jurassic park 2 is pretty decent movie like it's got good villains and there's like cool stuff going on there's like a father-daughter thing going on between uh that nate only has one primary issue yeah it's it, it's not for the podcast uh <laughs> but 
But uh, yeah, Goldblum's got his daughter, and, and Vince Vaughn's in it, and he's uh, doing his Vince Vaughn thing. He's, he's that is Vince Vaughniest. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I found the movie to be like decently enjoyable until you get to this last scene, and then all of a sudden, for no reason, and it's it's completely disconnected from the the story of the movie. Now we're just we're just there's a T Rex ripping through San Diego, and it's like, why, why, why is this happening? Um, so yeah, that that that's the part of the last world. Jurassic Park three it blows. And Eric, what's your rank? So bad. I never saw Jurassic World. I just don't care. I never um, sat and watched the whole thing either. I caught parts. Yeah, it's, so I will. I will say it's probably better, only because Chris Pratt's very handsome. Yeah, probably better the third than movie number three. Is garbage. The third movie. It's funny. Like the second one, you had the theme of like, well, let's you know, let's bring in the T Rex to the city, and Jurassic World was like, let's you know, let's bring in some sea monsters because you know that's that's a huge part of you know dinosaurs, and but Jurassic Park three was like, you know, who hasn't got the screen time? pterodactyls yeah not only let's that, do it and, not, and they're also like let's make a jurassic park but not have gold bloom in it which is just yeah that honestly, unacceptable huge mistake and it's it's got sam neil it's the tremors four of the jurassic park franchise. but it doesn't have it it has nobody else and it's it's other kids running around it feels like something that should have gone direct to dvd but still made 350 million dollars somehow it's a retread in the worst possible way dead yeah, yeah. probably kevin so yeah, I would say about the same rank. Every honestly, after Jurassic Park one, you know you have to have a sequel because it's you know it's dinosaurs and it was really oh, and popular. It was a visually stunning movie. Yeah, yeah. it still looks. It's the visuals still hold up in Jurassic Park. Because I would it's a say nice blend of practical and and special effects. Yes. you could watch any of these movies on mute, and they're all about the same. But I want to say, people who are like, oh, the only reason Jurassic Park looks good is because. Uh, they only use practical effects. And- okay, I'm just going to say to those people that you suck, one, let's start with that, and two, uh, if you watch the, you there, you can watch specials of what this looks like without special effects and with special effects, and it looks dumb without special effects. The special effects in this movie are really effing good. Like It's the blend of the two is what makes the movie special. Exactly. It's like they, they perfectly brought these two things together. And the practical effects allowed the actors to react in a way that I think sometimes gets lost in modern green screen technology. Yeah, like they made an animatronic Tyrannosaurus Rex. Like it's huge. But also they added CGI to it to make it look a little better. Like everything and the lighting too, the way the lighting looks. Well, with otherwise the it would look as fake as Jaws. Yeah, so... They did a really, really cool job. I don't know. I really respect like everything they did with this movie. It should be the playbook people look at when they were like, if I want to make a movie that looks really good and has like really cool technology, how much do you think it costs to make the original Jurassic Park? This is one of my favorite things. In $93 or in $2018? Oh, go to $93. Let's go to $93 and then I'll give you the adjusted for inflation. I'm going to say like $108 million of $93. Oh, man, that's a lot of money. Yes, it is. I oh, cause what if it cracked a hundred million? That was a really good back then. So I'm gonna say eighty-five mil. Okay, so it 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 was sixty-three million dollars, which is the equivalent today of making a movie for a hundred and ten million dollars. That's really really good. Yes, they made this wow. movie really efficiently. Like that's a really good job of it's using like your indie budget. movie money. I mean, for not you know, <laughs> honestly, for a Steven it's indie Spielberg level movie, for blockbuster, like for Steven Spielberg, yeah, like how much do you think Doctor Strange cost? Uh, one hundred and twenty-five, hundred and fifty, higher. No. Yeah, they they spent one hundred and sixty-five to two hundred and thirty-six million dollars making Doctor Strange. So 
the the fact that they made this movie with so little money, they made all these really gangster special or uh, practical effects. They made those trucks and like you know all that stuff. That is really really they did a really great job. This is a I think Jurassic Park is a, a modern classic. And like I said, it should be the playbook that people look at when they're like, how do I make my high concept science fiction slash you know movie look good? So we all know that Steven Spielberg's uh, his piece de resistance is uh, is a thing that he does really really well is set pieces. So what is your favorite kind of set piece scene sequence? It's got to be in the, this movie. It's got to be the T Rex breakout, right? With the with the the, the uh, shaking water glass and the that get the car gets knocked over and the 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 outhouse. So you get jump a little comedy in there. Drop a little. Little, little funny in there. That's that's one of the quintessential ones. I, Someone has to pick that one. Yeah, I think that's that's the most memorable scene from the whole movie. Uh, it's that or the raptor opening the door. I'm about to say, Eric, what's what's the one for you? I hate the raptor opening the door. By the way, just because the raptor was discovered during the filming of this movie, not sure the raptor ever existed. Just throwing that out there. Come at me. And raptors um, are also way way smaller than the raptors in this movie. Yes. Yeah, and the the retractable claw. That's, I'm sorry, scientifically bullshit. Anyway, mine, I'm going to go boring. The Triceratops. The sick Triceratops. The poop? Yeah, the it's, poop scene? it's not even the poop. The poop doesn't do it. Um, Triceratops was my favorite dinosaur. Well, Jeff Goldblum's reaction to the whole yes. scene was uh, really good. And then the way the scientists are yeah. just like, yeah, science stuff. And he's like, wow. Yeah, that's, we just, <laughs> uh, no, that's a big pile of shit. <laughs> but honestly, the, the Triceratops, it gave you the scale of these creatures it was my favorite dinosaur. It just brought some reality to a situation, even though it wasn't like an exciting scene. It was an it was like a fantastic scene in the sense of the awe and the scale. And I was just like, wow, you know, I this it makes this world believable to me. All right, Kevin, last word on on Jurassic Park. Uh, for me, it was the camera pan over the park in the scene right when the uh, right when the um, the little jeeps take off. And it does that pan through the park, and you get to see kind of all the different zones. And you see, like, the compies running across the field, and then it kind of culminates in the scene with the uh, um, the big dinosaurs walking alongside the, uh, the SUVs. and The brachiosauruses. Yes, exactly. And that sequence does it for me, because that's the moment where they really pull you into the theme park i was i would feel the zoo betting that you were gonna pick that one and i was gonna say it, and i was like I, I kevin's going last he better pick this and you did i like that no one picked uh the end of the uh the ending sequence of the movie where uh they're back in the headquarters and um the dinosaurs are breaking into the kitchen and all kinds of stuff is happening because that sequence was interesting but it was not the best sequence in the movie and right. even though it gets a lot of credit. All right, for Kevin Garber and Eric Ronenbeck, I'm Nathan Sano. We will see you next week. Send us what you think about Jurassic Park and go Hawks. Hold on to your butts. Good time.